The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Monday, the 5th of June in London. Coming up today... Saudi and demand oil surges as the kingdom goes it alone with a 1 million barrel supply cut. Taking it to the bank, a report suggests that the US could raise capital requirements by 20% for large lenders. Still on top, the UK widens its lead as Europe's favourite destination for financial investors. Rivals look to replace the CBI and rogue trader Nick Leeson says he'll never stop in Investing. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers, and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, I'll quit if you make me come back to the office. Workers tell Bloomberg that ending hybrid working is a deal breaker. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. The price of oil has risen after Saudi Arabia announced that it will cut supply by a million barrels a day from July. The move takes its production to the lowest level for several years. But the kingdom's energy minister, Prince Abdulaziz bin Salman, says that the move is a treat for traders. I would have to call it the Saudi lollipop, which is a million barrel of reduction for the 1st of July. And that million is also extendable. The Saudi energy minister's comments come at the end of an OPEC Plus meeting where the rest of the 23-nation coalition offered no additional action. That has left Saudi Arabia sacrificing further market share to stabilise the markets. U.S. regulators are preparing to force large banks to shore up their financial footing moves they say will help boost the resilience of the system. The Wall Street Journal reports that the changes could raise overall capital requirements by roughly 20% at larger lenders. The paper says institutions with large trading businesses will take the biggest hit, while those heavily dependent on fee income could also face significant increases. Banks with at least $100 billion in assets may have to adhere to the new requirement, lower than the existing $250 billion threshold. Now, here in the UK, the country is widening its lead as Europe's top destination for foreign direct investment in financial services. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts reports. 
Britain landed 76 financial service FDI projects last year, up 17% from the previous year, retaining its position as the most important destination in Europe. According to analysis by EY, the UK secured more than a quarter of all foreign direct investment projects into financial services across Europe. The rise was thanks to an increase in American investment with 21 US-backed projects in 2022. France, the second most important recipient, saw a 25% drop in projects. The positive research comes to despite a growing chorus of executives criticising the UK's business environment. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. UBS says it expects to complete its takeover of Credit Suisse as soon as next Monday, the 12th of June. Shareholders will receive one UBS share per 22.48 shares in the shuttered lender. Separately, Bloomberg has learned that UBS is looking to keep more than 100 Credit Suisse investment bankers in Asia. Morgan Stanley believes that a sudden pullback in corporate earnings will slam the brakes on a U.S. equity rally. Strategists led by Andrew Sheets are predicting a 16% drop in earnings per share at S&P 500 firms this year. Sheets' team believe that the index will end the year at around 3,900. That is almost 400 points below the close on Friday and one of the most bearish forecasts on Wall Street. Beijing has asked former British Trade Secretary Peter Mandelson to lobby foreign business to invest in China. Speaking to Bloomberg, Mandelson says to achieve its goal, the country will need to rebalance away from nationalism. They need to listen very carefully to international companies uh, who are already here or who are planning uh, further investment. You know, there's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of frictions, uh, a lot of emphasis on national security and data controls and and, and whatever. And I think the authorities in China have to understand that uh, this language is off-putting. Mandelson's comments comes, uh, come after he spent a week in China talking to leading policymakers, including the head of the Communist Party's International Department. His visit came as Tesla, JP Morgan and other foreign businesses were welcomed in China by senior Communist Party officials. And lastly, financial professionals have a warning for their employers. Don't ask me to come into the office more often or I will quit. That in the latest Markets Live Pulse survey, which found that roughly one in two people, half of people who work in finance, would change jobs or already have changed jobs if their managers require them to spend more time in the workplace. More than half of the 1,585 respondents globally preferred a hybrid arrangement, whilst only about 20% favoured working entirely from the office. So those are our top stories this morning. Caroline, I'm fascinated by the results of that survey. I think the conversation around hybrid working is kind of entering this new phase now where all of a sudden people are in the face of increased instruction to return to the office on certain days. The pushback is is happening and I think the tight labour market is helping people as well. Yes, absolutely. But what I want to say is that most financial professionals, I mean, although a whole deluge of people responded to this survey in, in really big numbers, mm. um, actually the vast majority of them are already working in the office quite considerably. So yeah. it's, you know, this is not necessarily an option that all of them um, already have in a big way so it's but yeah. people seeing the advantage of hybrid working and across all the regions that the the survey covers there are more people in the office five days a week than there are people fully remote so most people are in this middle section of working x number of days a week in the office and three being kind of the most common among those as well i actually was very interested to see that they also talked asked people about their spending habits during the week to oh, see right. who was returning to so most people are returning to their 
post-pandemic spending habits. That's about half. A third are now packing their lunch, uh, eating office food or going straight home without grabbing after-work drinks more often than they used to. Oh, that's not good for the hospitality sector, is it, though, I suppose? And for the makeup of our cities. Anyway, really great uh, survey that we had uh, there, uh, the MLive Pulse survey. Well, let's get more now on those reports that the US may impose higher capital requirements on big banks. For more, we can bring in our uh, Asia Investing Editor, Russell Ward. Russell, great to have you with us on this. Uh, We've heard lots of talk about additional regulation after the regional banking issues in the United States. This would be a major change, though. Yes, I mean, uh, the, the regulation that's, uh, that's taken place since the global financial crisis really focused on the, um, the globally systemically important banks, the biggest banks. Uh, and so the, under the proposal, according to the Wall Street Journal, um, this would be lowered, uh, that would lower the threshold from uh, 250 billion uh, asset, or banks with assets of that size uh, to banks uh, with at least 100 billion in assets. So that would encompass a lot more banks uh, and sub- subject those banks to much, much higher uh, capital requirements. And this, of course, uh, comes on the heels of the, uh, the banking crisis that, they, that uh, flared up in March. But I thought the idea was that larger lenders are well capitalised. Has there been a shift on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the... the there's sort of a clear understanding that, um, that the, all the regulation is really focused on the large banks. Large banks do have a lot of uh, enough capital, but then you know the, the regional banks, um, you know, the, the stress that emerged and they really sort of exposed a bit of a hole in the regulation. Uh, and then you know, according to this report, uh, I think basically we can conclude that you know regulators are, are seeing that um, they want to fill that hole. They want. Um, not the, not just the biggest banks, but but also the next tier of banks to be, um, you know, to have those capital buffers to uh, to shore up the financial system. What sort of effect could this have on the bottom line of the biggest banks? Uh, it's it's a little bit too uh, early to say, really. But um, you know, we're, we're certainly going to see um, some sort of a reaction uh, when when the markets open uh, on Monday. Um, you know, later today. Uh, but uh, but certainly, um, you know, there is there is a risk that you know um, some banks. Uh, you know, the people might speculate that some banks uh, will need to uh, to raise extra capital, uh, and you know that 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 could um, put it put it into in, in shareholder value. Yeah. Okay. Um... So then on that, I think that issue is really fascinating. And so this is the Wall Street Journal uh, reporting. Also, let's let's just remember that that lenders um, in the US could face a 20 percent increase in capital requirements. It would also be for banks uh, with one hundred billion dollars in assets. So actually a lower threshold uh, than has existed previously, which is normally two hundred fifty billion. So that of interest. Uh, But then, um, Russell, whilst we have you, let me just turn our attention to the issue in in Europe, which is about UBS completely the merger with Credit Suisse. There's also an interesting news line that we've been reporting today about the date of when that happens. So things are moving forwards. That's right. Uh, so UBS issued a statement uh, a short time ago, um, which is good news for anyone concerned that the deal might be facing delays. Uh, this was uh, initially aimed to be completed by the end of May. Now UBS is committed to a date, uh, uh, or June the 12th. Uh, that's one week away uh, at the earliest. Uh, so we can assume that progress is being made on that front. Uh, but of course, you know, completion of the deal is just the first step. Uh, the real tough work uh, comes with the integration, and that's going to take much, much longer. Okay, Russell, our Asia Investing Editor, thanks so much for joining us. That's Russell Ward there uh, speaking to us on those stories. Coming up next, rivals look to replace the Confederation of British Industry and rogue trader Nick Leeson says he'll never stop investing. 
Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. The Paper Review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. And Leanne Gerrans is with us with the details of those stories. Leanne, let's start in the Financial Times. The headline there, British Chambers of Commerce creates business council to rival troubled CBI. Yes, indeed, Stephen. And we get this ahead of a key vote that could decide the future of the CBI business lobby group. And we hear that this alternative has now been set up. The British Chambers of Commerce says it's going to be called the Business Council and it claims Heathrow, BP and Drax are among the members. The largest corporates are looking for a different kind of representation. Now, that's after the leading lobby group became plagued with allegations of sexual misconduct, We have been reporting on that. And the Guardian newspaper was the first person to lift the lid on this. And it's more bad news for the future of the CBI as its rival, the BCC, wants to become the UK's most prominent voice for companies and is really pushing to do this while there's a gap in the market. Leaders of the BCC are going to be meeting in London today. And that's before the CBI holds this extraordinary general meeting, seeking the backing of its members. And we do know through Bloomberg reporting, some of the big businesses which were its members are going to decide to sit out of that key vote. Yeah, that's of interest then. The Confederation of British Industry, who becomes the kind of main voice for business in the UK, in flux. The Times, meanwhile, says that banks are turning the screws uh, on with a weekend of worse mortgage rates. So it's more bad news, really, for households that are facing increasing inflation and also food prices. But now the escalating turbulence in Britain's mortgage market is just creating even more uncertainty. So the Times newspaper says more than one 100,000 households are facing a squeeze on their finances this month. And this comes as lenders are increasing their rates. So Santander made changes over the weekend and TSB withdrew all its 10-year fixed-rate mortgage deals on Friday, and that was just with a few hours' notice. Worse than expected inflation figures are really what is causing this turbulence. So we do know inflation fell to 8.7%, but it was actually above estimates and above what analysts were hoping for. And this is the driving force behind the rare action by the lenders that we are currently seeing. And we also know there'll be thousands of houses 
households coming off fixed rate deals this month, which means they'll be just paying more money for a standard variable rate if they cannot get another new rate mortgage. So things are really difficult, especially for first time buyers and households at the moment. Okay, well, let's go to the Telegraph next, Leanne, for the story from Nick Leeson. I went to jail after losing £800 million, but I'll never stop investing, he says. Yes, he does say this. So this is a fascinating insight into the rogue trader on life after prison, his stock market investments and also his retirement plans. Now, Nick Leeson is the rogue trader who spent four years and four months in jail in Singapore. And that was for fraudulently racking up losses of around £830 million, which wiped out Britain's merchant bank bearings. That was back in 1995. Now, he did write a book and that did become a film. And he was played by Ewan McGregor in the film on his book called Rogue Trader. He lives in Ireland now with his wife and he travels the world delivering these keynote speeches on his experiences. And he was asked directly, do you still dabble in the markets? That was the question posed in the Telegraph to him. And he said, I still trade. I still actively involved Mm. and I have a small pension through which I invest in one or two relatively volatile stocks. A really interesting read, Caroline, on somebody who was involved in scandal, but a lot of different ways. He also explains that he thinks that the bank was disorganised. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.